Cable news, noisy, boring, out of touch. That's why Salem News Channel is different. We keep you in the know. Streaming 24-7 for free. Home to the greatest collection of conservative voices like Dennis Prager, Jay Sekulow, Mike Gallagher, and more. Salem News Channel is unfiltered and unapologetic. Watch anytime, on any screen at snc.tv and local now channel 525 welcome to the georgine rice show podcast this program was originally broadcast live on 93.9 kpdq we hope you enjoy the show well good afternoon and welcome to the friday edition of the georgine rice show before we get started i want to say thank you for your generosity for the food for the poor radiothon we exceeded our goal And I'm just delighted that more than 500 children are going to be ministered to because of your generosity. So thank you so much. Today on the program, we'll take a look at some of the day's headlines. We'll also take in the second half of the first hour, take a look at the lighter side of the news. And in the second hour, we'll focus on the Christian outlook. I had the opportunity to host the program. Uh, They featured a conversation I had with uh, Sarah Parshall Perry of the Heritage Foundation. We talked about the Supreme Court's a decision to hear a case that could overturn Roe versus Wade. It's, uh, Wade. it's a bit of a stretch, but it could. We'll also hear from Eric Metaxas. He talks with Joel Rosenberg. They'll discuss uh, the violence between Israel and Hamas and the current ceasefire. Perhaps put that in some broader context. And we'll hear from uh, Bob Burney talking about CBS 60 Minutes, the piece they did recently, uh, the first they've ever done, uh, seriously taking into account young men and women who have had sex change procedures they now regret. All of that's coming up in the second hour in the Christian Outlook. Again, looking at some of the day's headlines, uh, President Biden shut down the effort to prove COVID started in a lab. Uh, The president's team shut down a closely held State Department effort. It was launched late in the Trump administration to prove the coronavirus originated in a Chinese lab over concerns about the quality of its work, according to three sources familiar with the decision. Well, the existence of the State Department inquiry and its termination uh, this spring by the Biden administration, neither of which has been previously reported, comes to light with renewed interest in whether the virus could have leaked out of a Wuhan lab with links to the Chinese military. The Biden administration is also facing scrutiny of its own efforts to determine if the, the Chinese government was responsible for the virus. Tom Cotton says the Biden administration shut down the work to identify the origins of COVID. If um, uh, quality of the evidence was the problem, why hasn't the Biden team launched their own investigation? Well, high tech is leaning uh, hard Left on matters of anti-Semitism, Bethany Mandel points this out. While we've seen President Donald Trump and countless numbers of his supporters booted off Twitter service, purveyors of Jew hate like Iran Supreme Leader Iman Syed Ali Khomeini, Hamas leader Ishmael, whose last name I won't attempt to pronounce, and Louis Farrakhan are still regularly posting. Adil Raja uh, posted uh, posting in praise of Hitler throughout his time on Twitter, finally lost his gig as a freelance CNN contributor, but didn't even warrant a suspension, let alone banned from the social media service. Lyle Leibowitz points out that it's not only that the number of rockets lobbed at Israel, 4,360, marks an all-time high. It's not just that suddenly it seemed as if everyone 
uh, of our favorite actors, singers, writers, lawmakers took to social media to accuse Israel of everything from apartheid to deliberately killing black and brown people, shouting down anyone who advocated for balance and complexity, even Rana. It's not uh, even that speakers on protest stages are saying things like every time they bomb Gaza, this is what creates anti-Semitism, or that a majority of House Democrats voted against providing Israel with emergency funding to boost its Iron Dome defense system, or that many programs are popping up everywhere from West Hollywood to the Upper East Side with mobs attacking Jews indiscriminately. No, this round felt different because once and for all, it opened up a chasm that many of us have spent a lifetime trying to avoid. Simply put, There are only two sides now, the Zionists and the anti-Zionists. Given the events of this past week, it is incumbent upon every person who wants to have any effect on the future, Jew and non-Jew alike, to understand how and why this is and to pick a side and soon. Well, The Hill posted... uh, semi-hit piece on Chip and Joanna Gaines with a blatantly misleading headline which reads TV stars Chip and Joanna Gaines donate to campaign against critical race theory in schools. In reality, they gave $1,000 to Chip's sister who is running for the school board and she's against critical race theory. Later, the article coughs up the line In 2017, it was reported that the Gaines attended a church well-known for its anti-LGBTQ plus views. Still, the story has conservatives hoping it's true. Uh, Ariel Davidson says Joanna Gaines is half Korean and probably has a better idea of how terrible CRT uh, is than most of the white progressives threatening to cancel them both. So there you have it. Well, the rise in violent crime is concerning Democrats for 2022, as the GOP is clearly the law and order party as cities come unglued. The PGA championship ratings dominated the NBA playoff ratings. Did you ever think you'd see that headline? It even dominated the L.A. Lakers and LeBron. Well, Tennessee has banned teaching critical race theory in schools. From the story, Republican Governor Bill Lee signed a measure into law Monday after it uh, attracted some of the most impassioned debate inside the GOP-controlled General Assembly this year. He signaled his support after it cleared the legislature, arguing that students should learn the exceptionalism of our nation, not things that inherently divide people. Meanwhile, another story notes... A new political action committee launched on Monday that's dedicated to eradicating critical race theory and the 1619 project from U.S. schools by targeting local school boards and elections. You can read more at the Daily Wire online. Colorado Children's Hospital declares a state of emergency over rising suicides. The rate of children in the state attempting suicide is through the roof and the hospitals can handle the can't handle the volume after a year of children uh, f- forced to uh, into isolation, one doctor in tears said, our kids have run out of resilience. Their tanks are empty. The story later notes isolation and stress of the pandemic have exacerbated mental health struggles. Carol Platt Lebu says, congratulations, adults. We've sacrificed the children so we could feel safer. What a disgrace. CNN seems to be okay with their host helping his brother beat sexual harassment accusations. The hashtag MeToo movement ends when a CNN star gets involved. CNN President Jeff Zucker and Chris Cuomo, they merely um, uh, needs to uh, say that he needs uh, merely needs to apologize to his audience, but not to the abused woman or should I say women. President Biden has ditched by America, uh, by American rather, with a plan to outsource the nation's metal supply chain. And D.C.'s attorney general has sued Amazon on antitrust grounds, alleging it illegally raised prices. Republicans plan to send Biden a nearly one trillion dollar infrastructure 
counteroffer, and Steve Bannon's fraud case has been dismissed after months of haggling over a Trump pardon. Gavin Newsom has been ordered to pay $1.35 million in a settlement with an L.A. area church over discriminatory COVID restrictions. And from Mickey Mouse to Tony the Tiger, woke brands are targeting kids for Pride Month. Credit where it's due, 60 Minutes runs an explosive segment featuring young transgender individuals who decided to reverse course. New home sales fell 5.9% in April after a big March gain. Well, John uh, Senna irrationally issued an apology to China in Mandarin after calling Taiwan a country. After all, you don't want to offend the Chinese or at least the Chinese communist government. Let's make that very clear distinction. And Atlanta defund the police councilman has had his car stolen by kids in broad daylight. He later thanked law enforcement for helping uh, in his effort to retrieve his vehicle. So apparently law enforcement is important and useful for some things, according to the councilman. Well, the Danish government on Friday presented its digital coronavirus passport, enabling people to travel abroad or in Denmark, go to the hairdresser, a tattoo parlor, dine inside a restaurant, wherever else it's needed. The corona passport uh, they presented uh, can be used from July 1st to, uh, when you travel uh, within the EU, the finance minister uh, Nikolai Vamen said. Well, some 20% of Denmark's population of 6 million have been fully vaccinated, according to the latest figures. During a press conference outside of Hopen, uh, Copenhagen, the airport, the health minister held up uh, his phone to show the app, which only features a QR code and a green bar if the person has been vaccinated twice or recently tested negative for COVID-19. What we get now is uh, an app that makes it easier and simpler to use, he said. There's no doubt that we will have to use it over the summer, but it is, of course, something that needs to be phased out. Well, everyone is saying now it needs to be phased out, but they're insisting this is what we need to do now. One wonders what the future holds. Well, even a mild case of coronavirus could leave people with lifelong protection against the virus. That's according to a new study with researchers calling previous reports that immunity was not long lived following infection as misinterpretation of the data. Well, in the study conducted by Washington University School of Medicine in St. Louis and published on the 24th of this month in the journal Nature, researchers uh, took bone marrow samples from 18 out of 77 participants uh, which uh, who were already signed up to give blood samples at uh, three-month intervals starting about a month after initial infection. The bone marrow samples were taken between seven and eight months after initial COVID infection. Five of the 18 participants then gave second bone marrow samples four months later. The team compared those samples with the bone marrow taken from 11 people who had never been diagnosed. And while the antibody levels in the blood of people who had previous infections did drop quickly in the first uh, first few months before mostly leveling off, some antibodies were detectable even 11 months after infection. Researchers also found antibody-producing cells specifically targeting SARS-CoV-2, the virus that causes COVID-19, in 15 of the bone marrow samples. The cells were also found in all five of the follow-up samples given four months later. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show. Quick break. We'll be back. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show podcast. It's aired on 93.9 KPDQ. 
Hey, we're back. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show. Just a quick reminder, in the next couple of segments, we'll take a look at the lighter side of the news. We'll also recall why we celebrate, why we acknowledge Memorial Day. In the second hour, The Christian Outlook, featuring a number of very interesting interviews, including uh, Joel Rosenberg and a discussion of the CBS 60 Minutes piece that took seriously the damage done to young men and women who pursued um, transsexual transition and later come to regret it. Well, President Biden's intel community is torn between two likely scenarios on the COVID-19 outbreak source. A former State Department official reveals procedural and substantive concerns with Wuhan COVID-19's origin. And the White House won't say if China will be punished if the lab leak theory is proven. Meanwhile, Dr. Fauci defends a modest collaboration with Wuhan scientists, saying that National Institutes of Health didn't fund gain-of-function research. That may make sense to some of you. The White House insists COVID-19 origins requires transparent international investigation. So we hope that's what we'll get. Well, Democrats are getting nervous about the woke culture, according to uh, analysts. The New York Times opinion writer wondered if in an op-ed Wednesday, if the progressive cancel culture push will backfire on Democrats at the polls. And he isn't the only analyst asking the question, is wokeness kryptonite for Democrats? Times uh, contributor Thomas Edsel's headline asks, well, Edsel shared an email he received from social psychologist Jonathan Hayde, arguing that the left wing policies will only serve to drag down the party. Wokeness is kryptonite for Democrats, Hayde uh, wrote. Most people hate it other than the progressive activists. If you just look at Americans' uh, policy uh, preferences, Democrats should be winning big majorities, but we have strong negative partnerships. And when people are faced with a party that seems to want to defund the police and rename schools rather than open them, all while crime is rising and kids' welfare is falling, the left flank of the party is just so easy for Republicans to run against. In other developments, wokeness at the Fed's uh, regional banks is putting central bank independence at risk. And Ben Dominich, uh, says other nations are laughing at the U.S. for embracing woke religion, critical race theory. Ted Cruz says it's ridiculous to see left-wing bureaucrats bringing wokeism to the military, and Twitter explodes over a Russian army recruitment ad compared to woke U.S. version. The consensus? We're doomed. A Virginia couple is shot dead in cold blood outside their home, police say. A manhunt uh, was underway in Virginia on Wednesday after a A husband and wife were brutally murdered outside their home in Springfield, according to authorities. The couple was shot in cold blood in their front yard just before 9.30 a.m. They did nothing wrong. They were tragically and horribly murdered in their neighborhood. Um, O'Carroll, who is the Fairfax County police major, uh, he identified the victims. Police had yet to identify the suspect or suspects. Uh, that has since um, changed. Uh, they are, there are two suspects that are currently um, being scrutinized. They believe they killed the couple. Investigators were searching for a 20, uh, 2018 light-colored Nissan Altima with Maryland plate numbers, uh, and they have uh, two suspects in custody. Well, critics of L.A. County D.A. George Gascon uh, have launched a recall effort over his progressive policies, and CNN is being shredded over its pathetic report criticizing the eating habits, criticizing the eating habits of ancient Judeans. Seriously, this is apparently news. Well, a toddler admitted into American Mensa has an IQ of 146, making history as the youngest member. How do you check the IQ of a toddler? 
Anyway, a Royal Caribbean ship gets the first CDC approval to set sail. A judge nixes Bayer's $2.2 billion, let's get that right, $2 billion plan for closure of round the Roundup litigation. And social media giant Facebook has lifted their ban on the COVID claim it formally called debunked. But of course, when Donald Trump said it, that was one thing. When the new administration says it, well, that's entirely different. It's now legitimate. Lumber wolves are helping to drive the housing frenzy and construction stalls. Well, USA Today changed the words of an op-ed by a female forced to compete against males uh, from Alliance Defending Freedom's Christina Holcomb. Uh, USA Today published our client Chelsea Mitchell's opinion about the unfairness she experienced being forced to compete against male athletes. But after backlash from the woke mob, editors unilaterally changed her words and called them hurtful language. What was the hurtful language that editors deleted from Chelsea's opinion piece three days after the publication? The word male. Well, ADF reposted the original article. You can find it on their website. Mark Hemingway say, absolutely incredible. You literally can't make an argument in corporate media with conceding to the terms set by the left, without conceding to the terms set by the left. Molly Hemingway says, this is the second incident I've heard of where leftist propaganda outlets such as USA Today have altered words post-publication from conservative groups whose politics they oppose. Garbage. Well, the rift between anti-Semitic Democrats and established Democrats has exploded after a letter from four Democrats blister the squad, but doesn't call out the anti-Semites by name. From Seth Mandel, uh, a thread, right now, Pelosi Hoyer made a clear choice. The squad has the protection of the leadership. No one touches them. So because of that, it's impossible to argue it's not mainstream Democrats, at least knowingly enabling the hate. That tars Gottenlieber and others who aren't bigots. Well, young Jews are shocked by the level of hatred they're witnessing. The young Gen Z Americans are confronting hate both in person and online in ways that they have been surprised and alarmed by, according to organizations that help Jewish Americans and monitor, monitor rather anti-Semitism. I think the tsunami of it was what was most surprising, the rapid escalation and the vitriol. Uh, that's a, a, a quote from the Hunter College Executive Director of Hillel, an international Jewish campus organization. Students and I certainly uh, didn't expect that. Uh, it appears the New York Times just found out about the anti-Semitic attacks in their own backyards, but then the story went completely off the rails with this claim. Anti-Semitic violence in recent years was largely considered a right-wing phenomenon. By whom, I would ask. But they go on, driven by a white supremacist movement embodying, rather emboldened by rhetoric from President Donald Trump, who often trafficked in stereotypes. Wow, that is a stretch even for the New York Times. Well, the U.S. Border Patrol nabs 10 sex offenders in one week. Uh, Most of the abusers targeted children. So how many sex offenders are entering the United States undetected, one asks. Well, the Biden nominee for ATF calls for banning AR-15s, even though he admits there's no evidence such a ban helps anything. It just sounds good. On the web, Catherine Mortensen points out that the Washington Post Wuhan lab leak theory is suddenly credible. The Post ignored evidence when reporters and editors uh, didn't like the message and it didn't fit their narrative. Well, most voters uh, believe politics influenced Dr. Fauci's coronavirus decisions and a laptop bombshell. Apparently, Hunter Biden introduced his dad to business cronies in 2015. The big lie, the DHS chief tells Congress the border is closed. Vice President Kamala Harris has gone 64 days without a news conference since being tapped 
for the border crisis role. She's overseeing the whole thing, but apparently has nothing to say. The San, uh, San Jose rail yard shooting leaves nine dead, and the pernicious media paint Chip and Joanna Gaines as racists for donating to a relative's campaign opposing critical race theory. And immunity to COVID might persist for years, according to the New York Times, and climate activists' victory fractures the Exxon board. Well, the bipartisan House bill aimed at China on the coronavirus origins is letting victims uh, kin sue Beijing. And CBS admits COVID, uh, the lab leak theory developments are vindication of sorts for the Trump era officials. Sean Hannity said corrupt left wing institutions are doing a complete 180 on COVID-19 origins. And Greg Gutfeld said the media is explaining how uh, their prejudice biased coverage of possible Cohen, uh, rather Wuhan uh, lab leak um, happened. Meanwhile, China's Xi is protecting information about Wuhan, the lab, potentially criminal behavior. California's strict gun laws um, are no deterrent for the San Jose uh, gunman, a disgruntled uh, employee who gunned down nine co-workers at a Northern California rail yard Wednesday morning, appears to have circumvented some of the state's strict gun laws. San Jose, the shooter, was on Fed's radar in 2016, question about hatred of his job. And the shooting suspect set uh, a device to ignite fire at home to coincide with the workplace massacre, according to the local sheriff. Well, Virginia police have arrested suspects in the shooting that left military a couple dead. And uh, Black Lives Matter's co-founder, Patrice Cullors, is uh, stepping down amid questions about finances. She's just moved into her $3 million home. Bill Cosby's petition for a parole has been denied. And a boat is overturned off Key West, Florida. Two are dead, ten missing, the Coast Guard says. Well, the 1619 Project creator, Nicole Hannah-Jones, she is considering a suit against UNC for anti-democratic suppression. And Microsoft says SolarWinds hackers are targeting 150 organizations with phishing. More jobless are getting aid than in the past, even as cutoffs looms. And PCs are back as Dell, HP, both deliver strong sales for desktops and notebooks. Meanwhile, Tom Brady's touting cryptocurrency investments, saying he's a big believer. And Mitch McConnell says Republicans are open to spending more on infrastructure. Well, the president's call for $6 trillion in government spending, and this is without a pandemic involved. The story notes it would be the most sustained federal spending in more than 50 years since World War II. Secretary of State is criticizing Israel for evicting Palestinians. Secretary of State Tony Blinken warned Israeli leaders on his visit to Jerusalem this week that evictions of Palestinian families from East Jerusalem or further unrest on the Temple Mount could spark renewed tension, conflict, and war, stating the obvious. A majority of the public sides with Israelis over Palestinians, 59% to 24%, putting the Democrats in something of a quandary. White House uh, told uh, there is a large amount of unexamined evidence as to the origin of COVID-19, uh, the virus, and apparently they're now looking into it again. Well, Florida's governor says people are moving to Florida and registering as Republicans, even Democrats. And California plans to give away over $100 million to get people to, well, 
get vaccinated. The GOP is poised to block grossly politicized uh, one uh, January 6th riot po- probe and Hunter Biden's Ukraine salary was cut in half after Joe Biden left the vice presidency. But there was really no link, we're being told, at all. Well, new deportation data shows uh, President Biden has practically abolished ICE and U.S. is permanently quitting Open Skies Mutual Surveillance Treaty with Russia. YouTube oligarchs have removed a video of uh, Georgia, uh, a Georgia mother dis- uh, criticizing mask mandates for children and Rush Limbaugh's time slot has been taken over by a duo, Clay Travis and Buck Sexton. Let's see how they do. Syria's Assad has won a fourth term in a dubious landslide. Well, on this day in history, the White House, uh, uh, I should say 1972, the White House uh, plumbers first break into the Democratic National Headquarters at the Watergate Complex in Washington, D.C. 1929, the first all-color talking picture on with the show produced by Warner Brothers opens in New York. 1937, in Nazi Germany, Volkswagen is founded by the German Labor Front. 1957, National League owners give permission for the Brooklyn Dodgers and New York Giants to move to Los Angeles and San Francisco. 1980, the first woman graduate from the previously all-male U.S. Service Academy. Uh, 61 females cadet graduates from West Point, 55 from Naval Academy, and 97 from the Air Force Academy. 2003, President George W. Bush signs a $350 billion tax cut package, the third largest in history at the time. And finally, on this day in history, 2019, the U.S. Supreme Court declines to take up a challenge to the transgender bathroom policy for a Pennsylvania school district, allowing it to go into effect. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show podcast. Is aired on 93.9 KPDQ. Hey, welcome back. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show. Before we take a look at the lighter side of the news, I just wanted to remind you that Monday is Memorial Day and why we honor American military personnel who made the ultimate sacrifice. First, we're all aware that Memorial Day is a day of remembrance, but Congress has also established an exact minute of, resem- of remembrance. The National Moment of Remembrance Act was adopted in December of 2000, and it encourages every citizen to pause each Memorial Day at 3 o'clock p.m. local time to remember the brave men and women who died serving this country. In addition to any federal observances, Major League Baseball games usually come to a stop during that moment of remembrance. Well, according to the U.S. Department of Veterans Affairs, Memorial Day is celebrated in late May because that's when flowers are likely to be blooming across the country. It was uh, Union General John Logan, who after serving in the Mexican-American War and Civil War, that he proposed that Congress institute May the 30th as Decoration Day to allow citizens to decorate the graves of deceased veterans with flowers and the uh, final date was established because well this is the spring well the um Ironton Lawrence Memorial Day Parade in Ironton, Ohio, is recognized as the oldest continuously running Memorial Day parade in the country uh that's pretty significant it began way back in 1868 however the oldest and first Memorial Day parade in the country uh, was held a year earlier in Doylestown, Pennsylvania It's also worth noting that both the National Memorial Day Parade in Washington, D.C. and the Little Neck Douglaston Memorial Day Parade in Queens, New York, each bill themselves as the largest Memorial Day Parade in the nation. And finally, well, not finally, I got one other. Taps, the bugle call typically performed at military funerals as well as the annual Memorial Day wreath ceremony at the tomb of the unknown soldier, was actually adapted from a separate Civil War bugle call known as Scott Tattoo, which was used to signal lights out. But according to both the Arlington National Cemetery Legacy of Honor, 
uh, and um, the stories behind the hymns that inspire America, Ace Collins and Jim Harris. Uh, The new melody later became the preferred accompaniment at military funerals after Captain John Tidball of the Union Army ordered his men to quietly play taps at a fellow soldier's funeral for fear that the traditional three-volley rifle salute would alert nearby Confederate troops of their location. So a bit of a military history. And finally, for the first time in 20 years, the American Automobile Association chose not to release a Memorial Day travel forecast in 2020 due to the ongoing coronavirus pandemic, which undermined the accuracy of the annual report, according to AAA. However, the organization released its forecast this year, predicting that holiday travel would rebound uh, to more than 37 Million. So keep in mind, Memorial Day, we're remembering those and honoring those American military personnel who made the ultimate sacrifice, making it possible for us to gather when freedom and with liberty. That is, and we can keep it. Well, joining us is James Blend. I wanted to uh, spend the remainder of this hour taking a look at the lighter side of the news. Jimmy B, how you doing? I'm doing okay. And yourself? Eh, I'm hanging. That's it's Friday. Good. We've got a long weekend coming up. We I'm do. ready. I am ready as well. Well, let me give you the first story. Okay. Visitors to Dracula's castle. Yes, and I've been across a field from uh, Vlad the the Impaler, who is kind of the Dracula figure. Um, Visitors to Dracula's castle are more likely to find puncture marks in their arms than their necks this month after medics set up a COVID-19 vaccination center at the Transylvanian attraction. Well, doctors and nurses with fang stickers on their scrubs are offering free Pfizer shots to all comers at the 14th century Bran uh, Castle, which is purported to be an inspiration for the vampire's towering home at Bram Stoker's novel Dracula. Well, castle staff hope the service will uh, bring more people to the site in Romanian's um, Carpathian Mountains, where tourists' numbers have uh, plummeted since the start of the pandemic. Now, I was on a ministry trip taking a bunch of kids uh, camping in Romania, and we were right across the field from Vlad the Impaler's um, castle. So what do you think about that? Would you be more likely to get the vaccine if, uh, if you could go to Dracula's castle? I don't think that's, I mean, you know, <laughs> what, I, what I think of incentives somewhere to go, it's like a free ticket to Disneyland, been. maybe? <laughs> I mean, you know, and, and yeah. Well, a lot of states are resorting to these old castle is kind of, hey, you know, get... get I don't. I don't participate in the lottery. I. I don't buy lottery tickets. But you know, if you hand me a stack of uh, you know, a giant stack of scratch off tickets, uh, I, I. I guess you know, Hey. You well, according to the governor, you know, this lottery uh, does not require you to make a purchase. You are automatically entered yeah. into the lottery once you've had your vaccine. So, I know a lot of uh, a lot of folks do not want a vaccine and are opposed to it. I don't think we know enough about it to be. Uh, 100% confident, so I, I get it. Um, but for those who do take the vaccine, apparently you're part of that lottery. Well, foamy slime bubbles onto uh, Damien Adorocher's hands as he lightly rubs one of the thousands of nails he snails rather. Let me get that right. Snails mm. he keeps in an enclosure in his backyard. Well, the 28-year-old French artisan began using the um, gastropod fluid to make soap bars, which he sells in local markets. Uh, it's all in the dexterity of how you tickle the snail, he said, as he extracted the slime, noting that the process doesn't kill the animals. I'm not sure they're 
animals, but I only touch it with my finger. You see it's not uh, violent. It's simple. Well, a former Air Force computer technician, uh, he decided to start farming snails in the northern French town of something. I don't speak French. As a form of returning to nature. I can think of probably a dozen ways to return to nature that don't involve snails. But he says once you observe and see how snails behave, they're actually very endearing. Not around my plants. They're not endearing. And it's really an animal that I love. Well, he's raised a total of 60,000 snails as they enter their reproductive season. Most are transferred to a larger site, while around 4,000 are kept in an enclosure at his home to harvest the slime. You up for that? Washing uh, your hands and face in snail slime. Uh, You know, I think i got to pass on that... uh... Yeah, that just doesn't sound. There's nothing appealing about that. There's nothing. It just you know, it makes me go. <laughs> You're at a loss for words. I, I feel like if I washed my hands with snail soap, if you will, uh, that I'd really feel like I needed more than anything to wash my hands again. Yeah, exactly. And you need to refer to it as snail slime. So that uh, gives you the full picture. What about this? Australia's oldest ever. Man has included eating chicken brains among his secrets to living more than 111 years. Retired cattle rancher Dexter Kruger on Monday marked 124 days since he turned 111, a day older than World War I veteran Jack Lockett uh, was when he died in 2002. Well, Kruger told Australian Broadcasting Corporation in an interview at his nursing home in the uh, rural Queensland state town of Roma days before the milestone that a weekly poultry delicacy had contributed to his longevity. Chicken brains, you know, chickens have a head and in there there's a brain and they are delicious little things. There's only one little bite. So, you know, it's quick work. Well, Kruger's 74-year-old son credits his father's simple outback lifestyle for his long life. Nursing home manager Melanie Calvert said Kruger, who's writing his autobiography, has um, well, it's, it was prob, and it, it ends there. His memory is amazing for an, uh, 111-year-old, Calvert says. John Taylor, a founder of the Australian Book of Records, confirmed that Kruger is, in fact, the, older, um, the oldest uh, man on the planet. So there you have it. Hey, we need to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to talk about a lawsuit over Hawaiian rolls that aren't made in Hawaii. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show podcast. It's aired on 93.9 KPDQ. We're back. We're spending the next few minutes taking a look at some of the lighter side of the news. James Blend has joined me as well. Well, a New York state man filed a class action lawsuit against the makers of King's Hawaiian Sweet Rolls, alleging the company misled him into believing the California manufactured sweet rolls are made in Hawaii. Robert Galinsky of Yonkers says in the lawsuit against King's Hawaiian that the packaging prominently features Hilo Hawaii on the front, but the back reveals they are actually made in Torrance, California. Well, Galenci said the packaging misled him into purchasing the product, believing the rolls to be made in Hawaii. And that, for him, made all the difference. The lawsuit states the company is uh, leading, uh, the leading seller of Hawaiian rolls and essentially invented this category of food. They're the only sellers, apparently, and cites incidents of company taking legal action against other manufacturers for using the phrase Hawaiian rolls in marketing. Well, the King's Hawaiian website states the rolls were created by Robert Tayeri in the 1950s when he opened Robert's Bakery in Hilo. The company was renamed to King's Bakery uh, when it later expanded to Honolulu and the business eventually closed to Torrance. 
Um, King's Hawaiian has yet to publicly respond to the lawsuit. So are you offended that King's Hawaiian bread is actually made in Torrance, California? You know, it's funny. I, I, I normally am uh, you know sensitive to that kind of thing and notice it. I, I've, I've had King's bread in the past and never took the time to look to see where it was made. As I kind of, to be perfectly honest, in this particular case, presumed it to be Hawaiian. Uh, but I also, you know, it makes logical sense thinking about it just because, uh, you know, quite frankly, shipping between the islands and, and, the, and the mainland is not exactly what we would call cheap nor quick. Uh, so it doesn't really particularly surprise me. What comes to mind is those old, uh, the old salsa commercials with the, uh, the, the gruff hardened cowboys around the fire and they realize their salsa was made in New York City. <laughs> um, you know, it's, it's that same, it's that same type vibe. It, it's, you know, you read the label, you find some strange stuff out. Torrance, California, who knew it? Yeah. The, the home yeah. of great Hawaiian bread. Um, so uh, who knew? Who knew? Does that mean that well, for Hawaii, they have to import it from Torrance? Wow. <laughs> That's a good point. Well, organizers of the 105th Pennsylvania Farm Show, which will be held virtually, are calling on residents to make butter sculpture for their Butter Up contest. Well, the Farm Show said submissions will be accepted January the 9th through the 16th of sculptures crafted from the five pounds of butter, uh, much smaller than the 1,000-pound uh, sculptures typically displayed at the in-person version of that event. Well, the winners will be selected uh, by um, the Farm Show Facebook page because, well, we're all isolating. Uh, the rules state participants are allowed to use chicken wire, sculpting wire, and a base to support the sculpture, but may not uh, use food dye or any other type of coloring. It's just all butter all the time. I am really glad that nobody in my household does that. <laughs> yeah, and, and simply because when I have an English muffin and I can't find the butter, all bets are off. So if you've got a butter statue in the fridge, it's going on the English muffins. It's just happening. <laughs> it's just happening. Well, a best man pulled a prank on the groom pretending to be the bride during the first look. It went viral on uh, online. The groom had quite a shock on his wedding day. The groom was recently pranked by the best man during what was supposed to be the groom's first look at his new bride, a touching moment never to be forgotten. Well, in a clip that was posted on TikTok, where else? The best man wearing a white dress, a veil and no shoes and holding a bouquet walks up behind the groom, puts his hand on the groom's shoulder, alerting him to his presence. The groom turns around slowly with his eyes closed, presumably in anticipation of seeing his soon-to-be wife, his bride, the one that he loves. However, when he opens his eyes, the groom is clearly shocked to see his best man instead pretending to be his bride. Well, as onlookers start laughing and clapping, the groom shouts, Oh, my goodness. Now, he used different words and began laughing uncontrollably. Well, the clip posted by TikTok user um, was uh, captioned when the groom thinks it's going to be a first look, but it's actually the best man. Well, since the hilarious prank was posted on TikTok, that was last week. The video has been viewed more than 1.2 million times. Uh, commenters on the clip say that they uh, enjoyed the hilarious prank and the groom's great reaction. This is literally the funnest, funniest thing I've ever seen, one person wrote. Another person commented, this is the best thing I've ever seen. His laugh made me uh, made it even funnier. Uh, someone else wrote, everybody's uh, busting out laughing at the same time was 100% the best part. It really is a very, very funny uh, clip. But how disappointing that must have been to see the hairy arms of his best man <laughs> in the sleeveless white dress when he was anticipating his lovely, beautiful bride. 
uh, prior to their exchanging of vows. I, I I am personally in favor of a good, hearty, practical joke. And so while I haven't seen the video in question, I, I, it's got my stamp of approval. Yeah, you might want to look that one up. Well, the cicadas are coming, the chocolate form that is, at least that's Ooh. what's happening, at one Maryland candy store. Um, Chowketa Chocolates and Confections is currently making chocolate-covered cicadas uh, earlier this month, the Bethesda-based confectioner shared an Instagram post of how it's cooking up and sweetening these insects, which is only a seven-step process. According to the instructions, the cicadas uh, need to first be collected, frozen, boiled, and oiled before they can be placed in an air fryer. Once the bugs are cooked, and yes, we're talking about real cicadas, and they're cool, they can be covered in melted chocolate. When the chocolate is hardened, uh, they can uh, then be served like any other chocolate-covered snack, although a cicada is not, in my book, a snack. Unless, of course, you prefer your cicadas in a fondue style. Uh, representatives of the uh, chocolate and confections store didn't immediately return questions about the unconventional treat or its taste. Twitter users who caught wind of the recipe have shared their thoughts on the um, uh, Chow Keta's creation, but not everyone was on board of trying, well, chocolate-covered cicadas, especially when they're emerging by the billions and annoying people along the uh, eastern seaboard. So would you be interested, having lived with cicadas, would you be interested in actually trying one covered in chocolate? Absolutely, 100% not. Uh, I don't know why people think you put chocolate on something and suddenly it's edible. I mean, I, I, I get it. People just want to – I think what it really comes down to is people just want another excuse to eat chocolate, and I get that. <laughs> but uh, if you're going to just you know, do that, just boil up a, a, a vat of chocolate and kind of just go head first in uh, because it, it's you know probably the same nutritional value, that's for sure. But, uh, yeah, the cicada thing covered in chocolate, I saw that earlier this week as well, and I, I just could not – for a second fathom that, you know, of course, the question is, you know, what does cicadas taste like? And, you know, my first reaction is probably chicken uh, or, yeah, probably. or you know, maybe chicken brain. <laughs> maybe so. Hey, uh, we're just about out of time. We've got news and traffic coming up here at the top of the hour. When we return, the Christian Outlook. You're going to hear a conversation I had with Sarah Parshall Perry about the U.S. Uh, US Supreme Court's decision to take up an abortion case. You'll hear from Eric Metaxas and Joel Rosenberg as they uh, take a look at the violence between Israel and Hamas, what that might mean. And Bob Bernie as he talks about the CBS 60 Minutes episode in which they covered the transitions that were regretted by young men and women who uh, would like to go back and in some cases cannot. So that's coming up in just a few moments. Thanks for listening to the Georgine Rice Show podcast. If you'd like to download a podcast of the show or would like more information on today's guests, please visit the show at kpdq.com or on Facebook. Follow the show on Twitter at G. Rice Show and like us on Facebook. And join us live every weekday at 4 for more critical thinking for critical times on 93.9 KPDQ.